It's true, folks. 60% of the KN95 masks purchased and imported from China by the United States are counterfeit. This conversation with Paul Hickey, healthcare angel investor and U.S. medical grade mask manufacturer, is doing his part to compete in open bids versus China. Take a moment to listen and learn for yourself how to take additional precautions. Building your own immunity has never been so important. I have to repeat that again. Building your own immunity has never been so important as it is today. Over the next four weeks, what is about to be revealed through Healthcare 360 will be groundbreaking. Every episode, all different guests of the 360 Nation will continue to build on each other and shed light on suppressed information and provide details on calls to actions and solutions of how you can better improve your well-being. If you haven't visited Healthcare 360 on YouTube, please do so by typing in Healthcare 360 with Scotty Burgess in the search bar. This is where you can view this full episode, as well as all the short clip deep dives on various talking points pulled from today's episode. Give us a thumbs up, hit the subscribe button, share, and add a comment to the discussion. Your support and sharing this episode will continue the nation's growth. If you're an Apple Podcast listener, it would mean a lot to the entire 360 team if you could take a moment and write us a review as reviews are the lifeblood to podcast growth and longevity. A positive review pushes Healthcare 360 to the top and brings these conversations to those who need it. Have a topic to bring to the nation? Head on over to scottyburgess.com and schedule a meeting with me personally. If Instagram is more convenient, you can reach me at my Instagram handle at scottyburgess. Nation, if you're a frontline worker or someone who needs proper PPE equipment, Paul has extended an offer to the Healthcare 360 Nation for 10% off his U.S. manufactured masks at puravita.com with discount code HEALTHCARE360. Puravita is not an affiliate of HEALTHCARE360, although we want to provide you the best and brightest options, knowing what we're about to learn in today's podcast. So check them out. Now let's jump into this conversation with angel investor Paul Hickey. And as always, thank you for listening. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. Another episode of HEALTHCARE360 can't thank you all enough for being here and for always taking the time out week after week, either listening to our audio, watching our YouTube videos, and just interacting with us on social. Really appreciate it. Paul Hickey is with us today. We have a large gamut of topics we're going to talk about. He does have a business, Pura Vita. We're going to talk about the surgical grade masks. I know we do not talk about politics in this show. We're going to break that because there's some things that need to be said and understood of what's going on. Things that I just learned yesterday, which I'm like, we have to break that pattern for a moment and just highlight some things that are really impactful and that people will really, I think, appreciate. Don't trust us. Go do your own homework. Go do your own research and validate it for yourself. And then on top of that, which is really, really cool, Paul is also an angel investor on a lot of different fronts in the medical community. So he's been able to share with us a ton of what's coming what's exciting, and what we look forward to in the future for healthcare and how that is going to kind of reshape itself moving forward. Paul, thank you for your time today. Scott, thanks so much for having me on your show. And I'm really looking forward to the conversation today. Just super grateful that you're giving me the opportunity to be on your show. Thank you. Pleasure is mine, really. So let's jump into this mass thing real quick. And let's talk about the difference and not necessarily the difference between the Trump administration versus the Biden administration. But let's talk about some of the the written nomenclature that you've read. So 12 months ago, this pandemic broke out. What happened was China stopped shipping all of their PPE masks to the United States for their own people. I don't actually blame China for that. If a pandemic broke out in the United States, the U.S. government actually has the rights 
to keep U.S. manufacturers from shipping overseas essential goods that we need here. I don't criticize China for that at all. That's what we would have done in the same situation. But what happened was that made everyone in the United States aware that we are not a sovereign nation if we can't supply our own people with essential goods, food, water, masks. And at that time, a year ago, we had lots of senators and the White House saying, we need to invest in our own PPE infrastructure and be independent so we're not dependent on anybody, not just China, but anyone for the next pandemic. And there was a lot of talk in media about it for a month or two. And then what happened was entrepreneurs like myself and several others decided we're going to get in and help. We want to solve this problem of being dependent on other countries for things that we need during times of crisis. So we started our company in July of last year, Pura Vida. We had three missions. We wanted to save lives, reshore American jobs, and help the United States become independent. Mm -hmm. And so we got started. We got into production like October, November of 2020. And guess what? By the time we got into production, now China was shipping lots of masks. They'd ramped up their production of PPE and masks. And our U.S. government is now buying from China again. And the hospitals are buying from China. And lots of entrepreneurs like myself jumped in and started mass manufacturing plants only to find out that when we start bidding on U.S. government contracts and hospital contracts, we're losing, I am, and a lot of my counterparts that started mass factories are in the same position. I have lost every single bid I've submitted to the U.S. government to a Chinese company, not to an American company. And by the way, I have bid sometimes at my cost just to see what would happen and still lost those bids to Chinese companies. What's happening now, Scott, the U.S. mask manufacturing group is on the verge of bankruptcy because our hospitals and government agencies will pretty much predominantly only buy Chinese masks because they're saving a few pennies. And now, not only are we not going to be independent if this continues, we're going to be more dependent on China for our PPE and mask needs than before the pandemic. That's literally the road we're on. It's really frustrating. Now, let's put all that aside for one second and add one other issue that really makes this just a startling issue. The CDC and the FDA several times in the last 10 months have published results of testing all these masks that are flooding in from China. And just in the last couple of weeks, the CDC published another set of results and they found out, quote, from the CDC, over 60% of the Chinese masks they tested did not meet the specs on the box. So what does that mean? That means for all these hospital and government agencies that are buying all these Chinese masks and ignoring American high quality tested masks, we actually have in our factory, we have an internal lab where we're pulling masks off production line every two hours and testing them to make sure that they meet or exceed the specs on the box. That's what we do. In China, they don't want to do that because they're either cheating, they're counterfeiting, they're using inferior materials to save money, which is why over 60% didn't meet the specs on the box. It's literally just the opposite of what American manufacturers do, um, which is make sure that we provide a a product. This This is a medical device. It's intended to protect you from deadly diseases. And these Chinese companies don't care. They're laughing at us right now, selling us counterfeits and fakes and inferior materials, and we're buying them. 
Our government, our U.S. government and hospitals are buying them. To me, the most important message, and I'll get off my soapbox in about 30 no, no, seconds. No, you're good. Go keep going. I love it. Because I, I have a few follow-up questions for you here that I think is going to separate this out a little bit more. So the, the number one message I'm trying to get out to the American public is if you really need protection, if you're a frontline worker, if you're in healthcare, if you're at risk and you really need protection and you're buying Chinese masks, the chances are you're not getting protection. Everybody needs to know. I don't know why the media has not blown that up when the CDC just a couple of weeks ago said over 60% of the Chinese masks we just tested didn't meet specs. Why is that not everywhere? Because the vast majority of masks that everybody's buying are from China. Uh, you would think that that would be significant. When China started to ship in, export their masks, what was happening at that time to their own infection rate? Was it going down? Was it staying the same? Was it going up? Did they just ramp up manufacturing capabilities so they can export and make some money on it? Yeah, it was two things. It was a combination of their infection rates were starting to go down. They were getting control over it. And how many months after was this now, as far as the timeline? Probably about two to three months. Wow, that's fast, huh? Imagine that. Yeah, they really locked down hard. Yeah. And, you know, China, when the government says to do something, you do it. Sure. And so we didn't have a lot of the the American entrepreneurs and cowboys and free thinkers that are like, hey, I'm not going to do whatever the government tells me because they're telling us wrong stuff half the time anyways. So anyways, that doesn't happen in China. So they locked down and they locked down hard and it had a pretty positive impact soon. And tons of new Chinese companies jumped into the business of making masks because they saw a global opportunity. And a lot of those companies are just little companies that don't care about the quality of the product. They don't care whether they're going to protect the people or not. They're just in it to make a quick buck. Let me correlate something here. This is an important statement. It's probably going to be a smash mouth comment towards the government. But if the CDC and the FDA just released results on a 60% or more, now that's written, that's an article that we're not making that up. Yep. And then the infection rates are going up or certain states, red versus, do you see where I'm going with this? Yep. So they essentially knew and were allowing the American public to continue to potentially or have the potentiality of getting the virus. This wasn't just two weeks ago, Scott, and the answer is, is yes. So this is <sighs> wow. this is several times the FDA and the CDC has published results showing huge amount of Chinese masks not meeting the specs. Mm-hmm. The FBI, I read an article a couple months ago, the FBI's had 1,200 raids to confiscate counterfeit Chinese masks, 1,200, not 12, <laughs> not 120, which is a lot. <laughs> 1,200. Last summer, the FDA published an article that showed they found 1,300 Chinese medical companies that had submitted false information to them. 1,300. This problem with China and their masks is not just in the last couple weeks. It's been known. CDC and the FDA has been publishing this information for the last eight to 10 months, multiple times. Hmm. Yes, your point here, Scott, is, hmm, why is this not all over the media? And why aren't we just saying we need to buy American or German or anything but Chinese masks? Well, I want to ask the question, like, why is not the media not only picking this up, but why isn't the media picking this up and saying, why are you continuing to let people get sick? Yeah. It's all avoidable. Okay, so you know my theory. 
this sounds like conspiracy stuff, but my theory is, here's my question back to you. Is the pandemic good or bad for the media? It's great. It's great. It's yeah. great. More people are watching the news than ever. So if you're telling everybody to stop wearing Chinese masks that aren't protecting you and start doing this, you're just ending the pandemic sooner, aren't you? Bottom line is, no one gets paid if you're healthy. How do you keep something going? Oh, is a manufacturing defect? It's like a Super Bowl thing with Janet Jackson, right? With the wardrobe malfunction. (laughs) Well, let me add to this then. About a month ago, Dr. Fauci came out and said, you need a double mask. Wear a three-ply surgical mask. Remember that? Yeah. Now, why was that 10 months after the pandemic broke out? So a couple things. They came out and said, oh, you don't need to wear masks. They're not going to help. The reason they did that is because they thought the public would make a run on all the masks like they did toilet paper and there wouldn't be no masks for healthcare workers. That's why they did that. And then later when they figured out that there was probably going to be enough masks, that they had got enough masks for healthcare workers, then they said, oh yeah, actually masks do help. Start wearing masks. But they didn't say what kind of mask. And there's a huge difference in the amount of protection you get between a cloth mask, a surgical three-ply mask, and a N95 mask. People that I talk to are always asking about this. Cloth masks give you about 20% protection. A surgical three-ply mask, like the ones we make, they give you 60, 70, 80% protection. And then an N95 is 95% or higher. Mm. And if you're in a room, there's these two brilliant MIT professors that uh, created this model. You can actually go online and plug in different variables. But they, the main one that got published is you're in a room with 10 people that's 10 by 20 and one person has COVID, how long does it take you to get COVID? Because you have to get a certain viral load, a certain amount, before you're actually going to get it. Mm-hmm. And they found out that if you don't have a mask and you're in a room by 10 by 20 with one person with COVID, it's about 18 minutes before you get enough to catch it. If you have a cotton mask on, a cotton cloth mask, it takes 20 minutes. So it barely gives you any protection. If you have a three-ply surgical mask, it takes four hours. And if you have an N95 mask, it's like 14 hours. And so here's the the question. The science is really simple. The masks work and different types of masks work. Telling everybody to wear a mask and not what type of mask is like saying wear a seatbelt, but it doesn't matter what kind. You could put bungee cords on or a couple rubber bands and you think you have protection, but in an accident, you're actually not protected. They finally came out. Why did they come out 10 months afterwards, after the Biden administration was in and said, oh, you should be wearing double masks because the cloth mask really isn't giving you that much protection. They knew that 10 months ago, Scott. That's been the storyline with them the entire time. I would challenge this though, and I always go back and I contrast when we're talking about COVID specific or just viral type of issues and things that we need to deal with as humans. But Dr. Tom Cowan was on then. He actually challenges the whole postulate with virus. What is virus? What's its intent? Bacteria, et cetera. Now, there is a case to be made, and we were just sort of talking about this with Wim Hof breathing technique. If you're in that same room and you're doing power breathing, what is the first thing if you're in a patient bay or an ICU after surgery? What's the first thing they do? They put one of those breathing machines on you where you have to blow out hard, right? There are some studies that are out there where that if you practice that heavy breathing, yeah. your body will evacuate the bacteria. Mm, so, on, so on the yeah. other end of it, when you're putting an N95 mask, which means it's blocking, you're, you're going to get some back blow mm-hmm. and you're exhaling carbon dioxide and you're also exhaling 
smaller amounts of bacteria versus if you push out hard and you empty out your lungs. Now you're yeah. re-inhaling a lot more bacteria. Aren't masks the same way though at large when you're wearing a more protective mask? I don't really know where I'm going with this, Paul, but all I know is that the body's not designed to wear a mask. If it was, we would have no. been made with it, right? But the blowback yeah, that we're right. coming back, bacteria, right. used up fuel, that's what carbon dioxide is for us, used up fuel coming back in. What's the long-term effects of those? Lots of good questions here and some interesting roads to go down. So first, these N95 masks have been around a long time. They're not new. They're new to the general public, right? But right. healthcare professionals have been wearing them a long time. The ones that really need to be protected from somebody that's got a serious yeah, something infection. like MRSA or uh, isolation contact room in an ICU or something like that. Yes, right, exactly. And I haven't seen studies on any negative long-term effects from wearing those. The material itself is quite special in terms of how it works. And there's a breathability test that we do. We, have, we actually have a machine that we put our material on to make sure that it passes a certain breathability test or it fails. If you don't have enough breathability with these materials, then, and, and by the way, that's one of the issues with the Chinese masks, these ones that aren't meeting the specs on the box, you potentially are getting less breathable material and potentially hurting your health because of that. Mm -hmm. But the N95s, the legitimate ones, and the surgical masks, the legitimate ones, they have to pass a certain breathability rating in order for them to be allowed to be certified by the FDA and by NIOSH. That's part of their requirements as they pass that. And so technically, you should be able to wear that all day long without having any oxygen issues at all. Now, on the other hand, your Wim Hof breathing, obviously, that or any kind of different types of breathing those those breathing methods have been shown to boost your immune system and this is part of the right this is part of the stunning thing also about our government is they basically said isolate yourself wear a mask instead of saying get outside and get some vitamin d because that's actually going to help you increase your chances of not getting this more than staying inside and wearing a mask right yeah. where was any advice at all on how to be more healthy and to boost our immune systems mm -hmm. and to get vitamin D and to get sunshine, to be outside. And, you know, that is, I think, one of the main reasons the black community had a harder time with this because of the vitamin D issue. Oh, yeah. They've got some pretty good evidence and data on the fact that low vitamin D levels have a huge impact on the outcome if you get COVID. And I'll tell you something else, you know, we're maybe getting off track a little bit. This um, I love off track, I, by the way. Uh -huh. So. <laughs> Another reason that groups have had a hard time is because of high omega-6 levels. So ARDS, which is the thing that goes out of control and kills us when we have COVID and people have bad outcomes, they found out that there's a byproduct of high levels of omega-6 that actually starts the ARDS and keeps the ARDS process going. Real quickly, so omega-6. You're talking about the seed oils, which are canola oil, soybean oil, safflower oil, sunflower oil, corn oil. Those are these industrial-made oils that didn't exist in our diet 100 years ago. Mm -hmm. It's literally a new thing. Uh, you know, I mentioned to you yesterday, I actually went on a keto diet four years ago, and, and I didn't know about the dangers of these seed oils and omega-6 oils. And I started eating a lot of stuff that had those in, and I gave myself prediabetes. It actually created prediabetes. And then last year, I found out information that these seed oils can create prediabetes, and I stopped eating them, and my prediabetes went away. But I also, unknowingly, until just recently, found out that I also, you know, saved myself from having a bad outcome with COVID because 
if you have low levels of these omega-6s in your body, you can't really have an ARDS, a very severe ARDS reaction. It runs off of the byproduct of these omega-6s. And I've heard that from a couple different scientists. So it's really fascinating. Huh. Imagine this. You don't have the ARDS, you don't have the omega-6, and all of a sudden your body can do what it's supposed to do, which is fight off infection and keep you alive. And what's one of the number one ingredients in most of the food sources that you find outside of the produce section at your local grocery corner store, wherever you're buying your food? Yeah, it's in everything. If you're eating <laughs> processed foods, it's almost, you pretty much have to get rid of processed foods if you want to get rid of the omega-6s in your diet and, and make yeah. sure you don't cook with them. And fried foods are almost exclusively cooked in like canola oil or these different seed oils. I mean, if you can fry your food in tallow, great. By the way, Buffalo Wild Wings, they fry everything in tallow. That's my new favorite fast food restaurant. Really? Okay. That's good to know. We should call yeah. them up and get them to sponsor the show. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. So yes. there was something else that you brought up yesterday that really it didn't piss me off so much, but I knew it was coming because I've been watching my own stuff. And for those that want to know and my political position, here it is. Take your cut and leave me the hell alone. I don't have a party. I can care less. They're all doing the same thing. They're all out for themselves. And it's right in this conversation and the 10 other ones that we probably touched upon, not only this show, but everyone else's show too, that really gives a damn is proving it. Was Trump better? Yep. He was better than most. But guess what? He knew all this information at the same time. How could he not? Okay. So yeah. the next thing that Dr. Hickey and I talked about yesterday was what was known as the transfer and merger of the administrations was going on. And this is going to probably shock you because I was like, wait a minute, what? How long do we know this information for? So, Paul, if you don't mind, nail it. Well, wow. Okay. So, you know, look, Trump did some great things and there were other things he didn't do, just like every president. Although I, I will say, and by the way, I'm not a Republican or a Democrat. I'm an independent. I was a Republican, kind of a bleeding heart conservative, fiscally conservative, <laughs> but, you know, yeah, I, I believe in social policy, too. So but Trump tried a little to help with creating independence for us, but it didn't work. Like he signed an executive order in August of 2020 saying federal agencies should buy USA made PPE stuff if it's available, but it had no teeth and they all completely ignored it. It didn't change anything. Yeah, I was actually part of a, a kind of a dis exploration discovery group that the Trump administration White House got a hold of us. And we met in Puerto Rico because Puerto Rico is a, a really potentially great place for, there used to be a ton of drug factories, manufacturing factories there that are shut down. And they're just these empty campuses that just need to be fired back up again. And so they wanted to have drug companies and PPE companies come and potentially look at Puerto Rico as a place to expand and grow and build this industry. And they take in the DFC. It's a, it's a government-owned bank that usually loans money to American companies that are doing projects offshore and they changed their mandate to say you could loan to U.S. companies doing a project in the United States if it's drug or PPE related or it's got a strategic defense sovereign goal. And so it was a it was a little attempt, but it was like very little and it was kind of too little too late. On the contrast, Japan had the same problem that we had when the pandemic broke out a year ago. China stopped shipping all the masks to Japan mm -hmm. from the Japanese-owned factories in China. They wouldn't let them ship to Japan, just like they wouldn't let us have ours. They kept them all in China. And so what did Japan do when that happened? The Japanese government said, 
You shut down your Chinese factories, don't open them back up. Here's $500 million, build them in Japan, and we're going to be independent from this point going forward. Wow. That's what we should have done a year ago. That's what we should have done. But instead, what happened is a bunch of American entrepreneurs like myself jumped in to do that. We now have, Scott, in this country, enough manufacturing capacity for masks to supply the entire United States. We don't need them from China, from England, from Mexico, or anywhere else. We can supply ourselves if we stay in business. But this is where there are governments around the world that have made some really good, smart decisions, like Japan, making that decision. And what have we done? Not only have we not done that, we're actually hurting the U.S. manufacturers by continuing to buy from China. And then it's amazing that there's so many that trust the media still and then trust the government. And they're like, oh, no, they're doing the right thing. And they do a couple of sound bites. That's what I'm just, just sick and tired of. And I've gotten to the point where I'm like, look, I haven't watched the news in months. And I was on the Trump bandwagon for a long, long time. I'm sorry to say, folks, but I mean, they're all corrupt. And if this chaos isn't proof enough, there's others that are coming up as well. You need to take ownership of your personal well-being. And forget the word healthcare. Just throw it away. It doesn't exist. But you have right. to take your own wellness under your control. Because there's an episode coming out. We told everyone in episode 79, uh, I mentioned this yesterday, Paul, about synthetic meat. Bioprinted synthetic meat is going to be a thing. It's going to be a product that people are going to consume. Dr. Uh, Sean Baker was on. He was on Joe Rogan Carnivore. How is that possible? When you hear some of these details of what is coming out, just yeah. think of that for a minute. Let's put it together. Petri dish, bioprinted, fake cellular meat based on a calf cow blood that's still in utero, by the way. It's unbelievable. And then they talk about the less than economic impact is going to have the lands and everything else. So my point is it's all just just – Find out how you're going to remain healthy, stay healthy, and stick with that plan and use little bits of information to do that. The omega-6 portion, that was actually the first time I heard that, and I'm really glad that you brought that up. That's staggering information. That is a game changer right there. We had a really cool guy on the show, Ben Azadi. He runs Keto Camp, which is all about ketosis. And he talked about seed oils, rancid seed oils. He didn't talk about the omega-6. Because that's the definition that you'll find in the stores that will justify it. And uh, that's not justifiable. So it's really kind of cool how all the stuff is evolving and coming together. We needed to take care of ourselves. As far as this bio meat, holy smokes, there's this regenerative grass-fed farm somewhere in the south. I, I can't remember what. And they are actually proving that it's better for the environment to do regenerative farming where you have cattle that you move around from section to section because they make the soil rich and thick and good with nutrients for growing stuff. Mm. So you move them season to season. And they, they had a Fortune 500 food company contact them and said, we heard that you're claiming that you actually sequester CO2. Your cattle ranch actually doesn't create CO2. It sequesters it because of the way you do the farming. We'd like to actually send a study, someone out there to study an independent group and they came out and they found out that for every pound of meat that they, cattle meat that they produce, they like sequestered a couple cubic, I don't remember how they measured the yes, CO2. We can look it up. Yeah, Do it you remember actually, the name of the company who was doing that? I think it's White Oak Farms. White Oak Farms? We have to it's look White that up. Yeah. And what happened, what's fascinating is they discovered that this farm actually was a CO2 net 
negative. It was not creating. It was sequestering into the ground because of the way they were doing it. And then the same company went and did a study on the Impossible Burger, imitation meat burger. And they found out that that was producing huge amounts of carbon to make that burger. Yeah. Right. So this whole anti-cattle thing. Yeah. Industrial farming. Absolutely. It does. It's a problem on many different levels, Mm -hmm. including creating lots of CO2, but regenerative cattle, grass fed. That is actually, I believe, one of the ways we're going to save the planet, literally. Yeah, I, I, I don't disagree at all. What was really interesting, too, when I was just doing my homework, because I knew nothing about it. So we called up, and I mentioned her to you yesterday, Dr. Christina Ram, and I mm. called her up and I said, hey, what do you know about synthetic meat? Because this, no, this is big farmer has their claws into this. I'm like, okay, no, no problem. Are they doing something good? Is it bad? What do we know in between? So if I put in benefits of, you would get a string of articles. It's good here. It's great. It's going to do this. It's going to do that. It's like, oh, it's wonderful. It's wonderful. It's fantastic. Let's bring it on. If you put in adverse consumer synthetic meat or adverse synthetic, whatever you're going to put, nothing. And I'm, like, wow. I'm, like, you, I'm like, you can't. No, this is Google. I tried gut.go. I used Firefox. Um, I used uh, Dolphin. All of them. And I'm just sitting there researching, doing my thing. And I'm like, wow, nothing's coming up. Nothing's coming up. Why not? So two reasons. One, they don't have the long-term data and studies for that yet. One, so let's be fair. Two, they don't want to release what they know because they're just still trying to perfect a new product that's going to be released to the market space. I know we went off on a tangent there. And I actually like those a little bit. They're actually, they're fun. But when you go back and you look at and you refocus on the mask and the lack of quality, it's, it's appalling to hear that both Republican and Democratic parties knew this information, lied to us, one, and two, they allowed for it to happen, allowing the general public and those who are at risk the most. Me personally, I don't wear a mask unless someone says, sir, would you mind putting your mask on? Absolutely yeah. no problem. I, I understand it's their right to allow me to shop there, and I'm going to respect that. But at the same time, for those who are really scared or for those who have been identified as a risk, a high-risk patient, and they're dependent on that mask and that's happening, that's wrong. And that's where, again, nothing's probably going to happen, but that's where someone probably needs to be investigated by the FBI or go to jail. The legal implications of selling fake masks, counterfeit masks, and intentionally changing out your material to save money yeah. and knowing that it won't meet the specs on the box, that's um, that's pretty serious stuff. And yeah, I've had absolutely. a couple lawyers contact me, and I don't know what's going to happen, but they were doing some investigation on this very issue of the hospitals and government agencies issuing their employees these Chinese masks that the CDC and the FDA have been saying, uh, hey, guess what? They're, they're not meeting the specs, guys. Be careful. And yet they're continuing to buy from China and not from American manufacturers. You know, There's probably some legal things in the works. So what we're doing, by the way, is educating the American public. So I got to tell you, Scott, I got on my local TV news station. And when the news heard this, the public heard this, we had a really positive response coming to our website because you can buy direct from us as a manufacturer. You're going to get it cheaper than if you buy it on Amazon or anywhere else. And we had a really, really positive. American people are supporting us, not the government and hospitals and the big GPOs, but the American people, when they hear this and they just don't know it. And so I'm trying to get the message out. By the way, I have a a 10% discount code for any listeners if they come to our website. Yeah, we'll drop that in. So Noah, it's interesting. We talked about the GPOs. Did you see the reports with HCA? 
last month? No, I didn't. HCA had a $4 billion net profit in 2020. Wow. After they made cuts, they cut services. Their hospital systems was shut down for, what, almost half the year? And they made $4 billion net profit. How did that happen? You know as well as I do. I mean, the elective surgeries were, it was a ghost town. You couldn't do anything. The one and two revenue generating, the answer is I don't know, but you had imaging, diagnostic imaging in your, the operating room that were shut down, uh, unless it was a dire request, right. that was it. So how do they make $4 billion? I have, no, I have no clue. Can you imagine if we didn't shut down, what would have happened? Huh. I don't. That's mind boggling. I don't understand that at all. Yeah. Uh, you know, we are getting together as a, a group of American mass manufacturers, and we're lobbying the Biden administration. Joe Biden's American Jobs Act has a lot of money for reshoring jobs, building up U.S. manufacturing, made in America. I think that's all good long term, and hopefully some of that will come our way before we're all out of business. We're hoping mm. that's what we're fighting towards. But the, the thing keeping us open at the moment is just the American public that hears this. And they need protection. The ones that really are serious about protection, they're coming to us and that's helping. So getting sure. the message is great. Yeah. And by the way, just last thing on masks, and maybe we can shift, shift gears a bit, but a lot of people now that mask mandates are starting to end in certain areas. And so I'm starting to get questions of, should I continue to wear a mask? Should I not? And the answer to that is, if you're at risk, yes, you should continue doing that for a few more months. Let's get this vaccine out a little farther. Let's see how the results are. Let's see how the numbers are before you relax entirely. But if you're outside, you pretty much don't need to wear a mask unless, by the way, I'm, I'm not giving medical advice. You can't get enough viral load from somebody else unless they're literally three inches in front of your face, you know, or just really close to you. <laughs> so there's no need for a mask to be outside. People in Utah on hiking trails, sometimes I see them by themselves wearing a mask in the middle of the mountains. You know, it's not necessary. You know, if you're trying to do your part, good for you. Have you brought this situation with the mask to CNN, Fox News, Wall Street Journal, Washington Post? I have tried. I've reached out to different national, like the Sean Hannity radio show would be great to be on, right? I have not got any response back. So I haven't succeeded at trying to get this on a national stage. I would love it. If you got any tips for me, I'd be... This is what we'll do. So I'll ask uh, Michelle to put together a promo on that section about 60% of failing the CDC, FDA reports and the results reports that came out. And you can simply email it to them. Wow, that'd be brilliant. Thank you so much. Yeah, if you, uh, if you want to, just bring me along with you because I'd love to sit there and poke at them too because they're part of the problem and they need to hear it. You know, they have a large base, but they are part of the problem because one of the gripes I have with all these shows that I used to watch is yeah. there's zero call to actions on the show. There's no resources that they provide that should be the intent of news. Inform you and what's your call to action. Yeah, they're just selling fear. Yeah. They're just selling fear. Yeah, that's my gripe too. I feel the same way. But yeah, it would really help the American public if we got this on some kind of national show. It would really be helpful. For sure. Absolutely. All right. So I'm going to shift to this uh, real quick. So you are an angel investor. Uh, You're also an entrepreneur. You see what's coming down the pike. What's new? What should people be really excited for? What do you ignore? What do you pay attention to as far as your investment strategies? Why don't you bring us into that world a little bit? Because that's uh, really, really fun stuff when you break it all down. 
Let me start with some of the things that have accelerated because of COVID. So there's some really positive things that have happened because of this pandemic. And one of them is telemedicine. Mm -hmm. And my fiance, she is a healthcare worker. And this is kind of an ironic story. Before the pandemic broke out, she's a home care. She goes in and works in people's homes with children that have feeding difficulties. That's her specialty. She tried with this large, I will tell you the organization she works for. She sent a proposal about a year before the pandemic broke out and said, you know, we can save a lot of money and I can see a lot more people. And this will be a lot more efficient if I can do my visits, video visits. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, we're not ready for that. Not interested. Didn't even want to discuss it. Right. So then the pandemic breaks out instantly. They're like, we need to be doing video uh, telemedicine and everything <laughs> and set up the system. And now she does a few home visits, but probably a majority of her visits are telemedicine through a video and they're very effective and they work and everybody's happy. And it's, it's going to save a tremendous amount of money for uh, the healthcare system to be able to do this. My son went to Japan last year before the pandemic, got sick, and we were able to get a doctor here in Utah on a telemedicine call with him and me, three-way call. It was brilliant service. And the doctor did a great job of, of helping him out. And so I've invested, I've got a little investment in two different telemedicine companies that have emerged in the last year. One of them is this uh, company called LifeBack, and it's L-I-F-E-B-A-C, mm-hmm. not B-A-C-K. It's LifeBack.com. And what they have done is they've created this system for people with alcohol abuse disorder, which is about 30 million people in the United States, not yeah. just alcoholics, but people that binge drink. And, and that spiked too over the pandemic, by the way, oh, significantly, yeah. significantly. Yeah. yeah, I think it went up so, over 50%, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, yeah. I think it is around 50%. These guys have uh, this drug that's been around called Beclofen, been around a long time. And uh, five or six years ago, they started to notice that and it's for muscle tremors. I think it's been around over 40 years, very, very minor side effects. And they started to notice people taking this were drinking less. They didn't stop drinking. They were just drinking less. And so they did some formal studies. They did one study, and this is about four or five years ago, where People that were drinking 21 drinks a day on average, that's what they've put into the study, took this drug. And after a couple of months, they reduced their drinking just naturally from cravings going down to two drinks a day. Hmm. It's not intended to make you sick when you drink. That's a different kind of drug. It's not intended to force you to quit drinking entirely, which is why there's so many people that don't get help that have this problem. They don't want to stop drinking. They don't want to be Alcoholics Anonymous the rest of their life. They want to have a drink now and then they just can't control the urges. And that's what this pill does is it just lowers your craving. Um, and instead of drinking two Jack Daniels uh, bottles a week, you can have one shot a day and you're good. And that company is doing everything through telemedicine. They've got hmm. an app. You can call in. It's very private. Another reason people don't go to get help with these drinking problems is because they don't want people to know. They don't want their boss to know or their family to know or anybody else. And so this is a beautiful technology advance to be able to do this all through an app and on a phone and make it really effective. And this company is just growing like crazy. The testimonies of people that it's helping, it's unbelievable. The the letters that we're getting, it's like, I'm getting so many, I'm getting more karma points from (laughs) investing in this company 
than I think any other investment. And it's just going to be huge. Yeah. It's going to be really big. I'm, lo- I'm looking at Baclofen. Uh, I'm just looking at what it does, what it's intended for. Baclofen is used to treat muscles, muscle pain, yeah. spasm, stiffness in people with MS and spinal cord injury disease. So it yeah. obviously is going after something, and I have to tap into this a little bit, is obviously going to something that's affected with the neurological system. It does. It changes your brain chemistry. And I'm not sophisticated enough to tell you how. I've seen the presentations. I've seen the science but it actually changes the brain chemistry that reduces your cravings for alcohol. And I, I don't know the biological, biochemical mechanism. So it's an um, anti-dopamine stimulant. Maybe. Maybe it is. Yeah, yeah it, it could be. There's a lot of the science on the LifeBack website, the LifeBack.com website, that, that shows a lot of the studies and the science behind it. And it's a really fascinating thing. Uh, it's fabulous. It, it's big in Europe. It's getting big in Europe and in the United States, you know, LifeBack's the first one to really start pushing it. But I think you're going to see this get quite big. Although there is this big infrastructure, you know, Alcoholics Anonymous is like a religion, right? And so you got a lot of people that say that's the only way if you have an alcohol problem, that's the only way. And then you got all these other clinics, you know, that are these detox clinics that are charging five, 10, 20 grand a week to put you in those that want to protect their turf because this, this is like uh, 150 bucks a month, you know, and the money that you save (laughs) on the alcohol, you don't drink more than pays for this and adds money in your bank account. So yeah, no kidding. they're going to get some pushback as they get bigger, but it's, it's been really fascinating, but tying it back to just advances and what's happening out there. I love the efficiencies that are starting to emerge out of this COVID like the telemedicine. I think that has lots of legs in lots of different areas and it should lower costs. That's the idea. It should significantly lower costs and make it easier for people to get questions answered and and to get help and service. A business partner of mine is developing an at-home check your blood pressure. It checks like three or four vitals so the doctors can actually I think it's for like diabetics and people with serious heart disease. Instead of having to come in, mm-hmm. they can literally have them put their hand on this machine, check their bottles right then and do a checkup right on the phone. And that's going to be way more efficient, right? Way more cost efficient. We had Joe Mullings on the show, probably the more recognized headhunter in the medical health tech space. Mm-hmm. And he outfitted the crew and staff for pill pack and halo, uh, verb surgical, et cetera. When he was here in the studio and he was talking about what's coming, in the next three to five years. Now, this is something I'm a little bit leery of just because of the mistrust that insurance, I, I just, if I told you about my home insurance and what they recently did, it, it's, it would disgust the entire country, but it's a common story. That's the thing. It's like, well, yeah, of course, like you thought differently, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Anyways, we're going through with the whole discussion and the intent is, now that he was talking about the Google Fit programs. They just acquired Fitbit. Mm. And the Google Fit program on top of Apple, because Apple right now is the number one watch manufacturer, not smartwatch, watch manufacturer out there. With the Fit program, what they're going to do is they're now going to pull all the data, concatenate that data. So over a three to a six month period, depending on your visits and how, what that separation looks like. Sometimes you have to go every month, three months, physicals, twice a year, et cetera. So they're going to concatenate all that data. So now when you go in and you have everyone in the show has said this, Paul, and this is, this is what I find rather interesting and actually pretty much hilarious is you go in for a 20 minute visit, 
you see them, you see your doctor's ass for about nine minutes and you spend 11 minutes with them talking about something where they're trying to figure something out and they look into it that in our payment system for the most part, right? So mm-hmm. now they're saying versus it just being that 20 minute worth of time, we're going to be able to pull all the data, the aggregated data over that span between your last visit and your last checkup. And we're going to be able to use all that. What I really don't like about it is that how do they know? I mean, how do they know you weren't, you didn't have like an emotional distress moment where you had an argument with a loved mm-hmm. one or someone passed away or someone cut mm-hmm. you off and you had a, you know, a spike in your heart rate? I mean, we don't know. I mean, stuff happens all the time. And that data is going to be perfected that much where it's going to do that. My point is here, they're going to go, oh, we saw this elevated over here. We saw th- these markers over here. Your metrics mm-hmm. are indicating X. Here's a prescription mm-hmm. for that. Mm-hmm. It yeah. sounds wonderful, but until but, it's all ironed out, no thank you. And on yeah. top of it, my number one question was, how do we know the insurance company, because it's always, you know, if you have pre-existing conditions, remember that whole conversation when Obamacare started? Well, that was yeah. a flop. And now we're supposed to, we have valid proof that we have a pre-existing condition that's recorded on a device, and there's actually hard data now, and insurance isn't going to do anything with it? Wow. I'm sorry, yeah. but I have a hard time with that. Wow. Yeah. I hadn't even thought about the pre-existing condition issue. That right. is frightening. <laughs> that is very scary. Isn't it crazy? And, wow. and again, technology, I love technology. I really do. I'll find all the best uses for it. But when it, it's being used in ways that you're not being told on the forefront and transparent with, that's where my issues come up. I was, uh, in the beginning, I was an Apple guy. I was the biggest Apple fanboy out there. Then I, I realized all the bottlenecks that it had in the sandbox that they were playing in, which was their ecosystem called iOS. Mm-hmm. So I was like, no, I can't do that. I need to be a little bit more flexible, download and stuff, stuff like that. I mean, if you take my phone now, which is a Samsung phone, yep. you simply on an iOS phone can't hit download. You just can't do it. So I talk about this all the time. It's one of my frustrating you know, trigger points, but on the, this phone, you can't, so I stick with it. But then... When we brought other folks onto the show and they were talking about what's going on with devices and how EMF radiation is playing a factor. But when I found out that my Apple Watch was recording all my information, they're using that information to redevelop their own products and then sell it back to you. One, great model, but bad practice, right? So I went out and I said, you know something? I sold it and I bought this little, I don't know, medical grade rubber watch cover that has a literally a digital battery and that's it <laughs> there's no wi-fi there's no bluetooth there's no nfc there is nothing and wow. we had wow. a, a really cool guy you you love him justin franson he was pushing the emf radiation poisoning that we're all getting because of the fight well the 4g that was there but now 5g as well but he yeah. was coming back and he was talking about hey scott do you know what that emf bluetooth cellular nfc wi-fi on your wrist is doing to your arm which by the way is closer to your heart if you're righty yeah it's crazy wow. stuff. Yeah, he had a book written uh, called Athleticism that explained all that. It was fascinating. Wow. Well, I don't wear a watch, so Good. I'm happy. <laughs> yeah. that I You're sitting there going, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, so technology, yes. And here's my big beef with technology. These companies get so big and so powerful, and then they abuse their power. I just had a startling experience on uh, my phone. I was at dinner last week with uh, my kids. It was a birthday dinner. My 
21-year-old son is getting ready to graduate with his degree in psychology. We were having a discussion. You got a semester left. What are you going to do? And he's talking about his options. And he said, yeah, I'm thinking, I'm thinking about getting a master's in psychology. I'm not sure it's one option, but I'm thinking about it. I'm going to go do something this summer and try some wilderness therapy and work as a guide and see if I like that. And, and, uh, and that was it. I have never one time on Facebook, Google, anywhere searched for master's in psychology. We just had that oral conversation. The very <laughs> next day, I had an ad on Instagram for a master's in psychology. Yep. They're yeah. listening to our conversation and sending ads from snooping on our conversation. Well, let's, is- let's magnify that a little bit. You have Alexa, you have Google Home, you now have the iOS devices, you have Bixby. Those are just the four major ones. It's not even including the ones that you might buy as a one-off, right? Now, I have a friend who used to work for the DOD, and he told me, he goes, how they found bin Laden? The vibration off of a TV screen. What? Yeah. So the technology through radio waves and sound wave uh, condensing. So if you're in your room, if you have a smart TV, it's essentially it's a Google Home or an Alexa Home, whatever you want to call them. Everything is listening now. So we had, at one point, we had one Nest camera inside. We have four daughters. We were talking about that yesterday. And we had one camera inside. That's gone. All the homes are gone. The Google Homes are all done. The only thing we have is outdoor security cameras. That's Hmm. it. That's it. Wow. We have a thermostat Nest, too. And they had, well, I don't know, unless I want to break it and open it up. But they said they disabled the microphone because I, oops, accidentally forgot to tell you about that. Remember that three years ago? No, I didn't. I didn't hear about that. Yeah, crazy. So all these Nest thermostats, that was an independent company, which is now had been acquired and merged with Google. Okay. Oops, by the way, we had a microphone built in, but we never activated it. Mm, (laughs) I remember a politician once saying, I never. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Same thing. Well, this is my gripe about the big tech companies is they get a ton of power and then they abuse it. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know why they always have to abuse it when they get it, but they do. And it's really frustrating. So I love technology. I love some of the services they're providing and they're abusive. So, yeah, you know, for sure. So Paul, listen, I'm going to kind of bring this down to two questions for you, uh, which I always ask everybody. Oh, you've obviously done your homework you're an angel investor, you own a few companies, you've done well for yourself. How do you keep yourself educated? What are the things that you do to focus on good family life, production and work life, that balance? What are you listening to? What are you reading? My main source of education is podcasts. Now, that that literally is where I get most of my education. And I'm focused. I'm not going down easy with this aging thing fighting it hard and I'm trying to age backwards and I I'm having some success actually. And so a lot of my passion at the moment is on biohacking and health podcasts like Dave Asprey and Ben Greenfield and Dr. Paul Saladino. I love their stuff and I get a lot out of it. I've learned a lot and I've made a lot of positive changes in my life. And now when somebody asks me my age, my favorite answer is I identify as 40. You look good, man. I'm, seriously, it's working. Whatever you're doing, it's working. Yeah, no. So I'm, I'm, uh, I'm focused on that for business and entrepreneurship. 
Andreas and Horowitz, do you know those VCs mm-hmm. out of Silicon Valley? Yep. They have uh, different resources and podcasts, and now they're on Clubhouse. Those guys are just brilliant people. And they have their finger on so much of the pulse of all the new things that are emerging and technology and trends and everything else. So I love following those two guys for startups. and. What do you think of Clubhouse, by the way? Are you into that? Just started literally four or five days ago over the weekend. I got the app and I've started to mess around with it just a little. So Clubhouse is a lot of stupid conversations that are a waste of time. Just like podcasts, you got to curate what you're going to listen to. And so, you know, I found Mark Andreasen and um, Ben Horowitz have a a weekly session that, okay, so I'm tuning into that. I think the idea and the concept is pretty cool. Obviously, it's, it's gaining a lot of momentum and steam. It's got a long ways to go to develop with all the different areas and experts. But I think if you're an expert and you've got something to say, it's probably a good platform. Gary V thinks it's the the best place to get organic growth right now. Um, yeah, so, I agree. I, I like you know. it too, to a certain degree. I found almost the exact words that you've just used to express it. If you find the right group and it's good yeah. information, because then after what, how do they want to share the stage? And cause I've been called by some friends, hey, you know, will you come into the group and, and add some content? Because what they're trying to keep the conversation going and what it is, it's nothing more than a lead magnet. That's it. Right. It's like, oh man, someone's falling in love with that. Oh man, you know, I don't want to wait another week for a podcast or I I get it. I get it because I mean, people are busy and they want real information right there. So I tend to listen to people who have no time. And if they're offering some time, they're going to be quick and efficient. So I look for those types of people. But after that, the rest of the audience, everyone else, they're talking, but they're just repeating or recycling the same words that have already been used probably three or four times over at that point. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. That's a good way of discriminating who to listen to. I might start a clubhouse group with a weekly conversation on the two-year marriage contract, what it is and why to do it with, uh, that's what my fiance and I are going to do. See if we can develop an audience and some people that have ideas on that topic. That's interesting. That's for sure. Wow. I do want to ask you one more question before you go into our final question. How do you get into being an angel investor for startups? Hmm. And if someone wants to seek you out, where do they find you? Angel investing is, I'm so glad you asked that, Scott. This country needs more angel investors. There's so many really good startups out there and there's so little money available for them. The amount of money that's available is this reverse pyramid where the riskier the company is, the less money there's available for them. And that's the startup world. That's the riskiest. And then up on top where the most money is available is for treasury bonds. And then, you know, you got all the way kind of down, small caps, large caps, all the way up. And we need more money and we need more angel investors. And you can be an angel investor with now because of crowdfunding, you can be an angel investor with a thousand bucks. You know, where do you get into it? Mm Angel.co, what they do is they have a lot of startups pitching on AngelList. And a lot of them require only small amount, relatively small amounts. Sometimes it's only $5,000 to get in, $10,000. Some some are $50,000 minimum. They're all a little different, but you can see a lot of pretty well-vetted, good opportunities in early stage. Now, it's obviously very risky. Early stage companies are always very risky. Keep that in mind. You want to be an angel investor. You want to make sure you take maybe 5 or 10% of your 
amount of money that you can invest. And that's your angel money, right? It shouldn't be 50% of what you have. It should be a small percentage. That's how you get started. And the other thing I would say is there's usually a local angel investor group, like Salt Lake City has the Salt Lake City Angels and it has the Park City Angels. And they get together once a month and they have entrepreneurs come in and pitch. If you get a hold of the local group and say, hey, I'm interested in becoming an angel investor. Can I come and sit in on a couple of your meetings? Almost all of them are going to welcome you in. And then you start meeting other angels. Having relationships with other angels is really, that's the best way to learn because you work with each other and you feed off each other and you show each other deals and you give each other ideas. And I joined the Salt Lake City Angel Investor Group a few years ago with the main intention of trying to protect myself from myself so that I would have other (laughs) angels to talk to about deals that I like because I never saw a deal that I didn't like. You know, I needed some people to talk to to talk a little sense into me once in a while, right? Sure. That makes sense too because, I mean, you have to remember, sales pitches are designed to do just that, sell. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. So I think there was a second part to that question. Yeah. So how would they find you? Should they use puravita.com or they use a different email? Paul at puravita.com, P-U-R-A, V as in Victor, I-T as in Tom, A, puravita.com. Yep. That's a great way to find me. Good. Yeah. And we'll put that in the podcast notes as well. So here we are, man. Uh, Last question. You get to leave the audience with whatever remark, comment, or anything you like to tell them. The floor is yours. Well, I'm optimistic. When you talked about (laughs) angel investors and biotech and health, wow, there's a lot of amazing things coming down the pipeline And there's beautiful trends happening. It's not all gloom and doom out there with the COVID and pandemics and and everything else surrounding that. We have some amazing, amazing technologies. We have this beautiful trend of integrative and functional doctors emerging Mm -hmm. that are actually, I mean, that is just a wonderful trend of getting away from just being a pill-based doctor. You're now looking at what's causing, trying to work on what's causing it with all different kinds of tools. That is an amazing trend that I'm super excited about that's going to make a big difference. All these biohackers and these health podcasts that are out there, I think are doing a great job of educating the public to take their own health into their own hands. Just like you said, Scott, that's a trend that's emerging. And so I think there's some really beautiful health trends happening. And along the way, you can make some really good money if you get involved with some of these early stage companies as, uh, as an angel investor. And so we need angels out there. And, you know, when it comes to masks, If you need to be protected, get an American mask. Hopefully the Biden administration will make some right moves and help us to become independent. That's our goal. We want to be independent like we should be the next pandemic comes around. Paul, thank you for taking the time both yesterday and today. Thank you, Scott. Everyone, thank you again. Another episode of Healthcare 360 concluded. We appreciate you. Thank you for being here. We'll see you for the next one. Take care. Boom. And that's it, man. That's a wrap. That was awesome. You did such a great job. Thank you so much. You made it really easy for me. I want to thank Paul Hickey for all of his time and extending his offer to the nation. As always, thank you for listening. I would love for you to add to the discussion. And if you enjoyed this episode, share with a friend or someone you love. Lastly, thank you for being interested in taking control of your personal health. From all of us with the 360 team, we thank you. We'll see you for episode number 86. See you there.